Oh, hello. Welcome to Debatable Effect Television Show, where we are definitely, definitely as manly as my voice sounds right now. Um, Dominique, we are here to talk about a lot of things. Spencer Hall will join us to talk about the goalposts being ripped out of the ground, the earth of Tennessee. But first, Bill Barnwell. Did you notice? Did you notice that Bill's here? Because the Bills are here. So this was the sequel to the greatest game that has ever been played, right? Like, this was what everybody was waiting for. And we kind of got some of it. I mean, it was a 24-20 Bills win. Josh Allen is now the only person to ever be Patrick Mahomes twice at Arrowhead. Like, salute in all of the ways that we were about to salute him. But Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes also threw a pick with, like, a minute left that ended Mm -hmm. this thing. And so I am left with many questions. Like, I'm still sort of, like, tingling from this game, but I also am confused by this game. Bill, where do you want to start? I will start with this. And I will leave out the conversations about every other player. We can do the football nerd stuff. I'm just going to talk about these two quarterbacks and the fundamental difference between these two quarterbacks that was clear in this game to me. The difference between these two quarterbacks is that even though I think Patrick Mahomes is a better player, Josh Allen is more of a force of nature. And that decided this game because Josh Allen's ability as a runner in this game, even though the numbers were not great, even though it was only 12 for 32 on the ground, Josh Allen's ability to run over people, jump over people and pick up first downs was a huge difference maker for the Bills in this game. He had four first downs in this game, had that 16-yard run on that final drive, the fourth and one conversion inside his own 35-yard line, which is an analytics thing that will never get mentioned again. We don't even have to talk about that. But Josh Allen's ability as a runner is something Patrick Mahomes, even though he's a solid runner, cannot match. There were stretches in this game, especially on that final drive, where it felt like Josh Allen was the man amongst boys, and he was just single-handedly propelling the Bills forward on offense. And Patrick Mahomes, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, doesn't do that. Bill, I mean, I thought we had this conversation (laughs) last week where we carve out our turf. You are Mm -hmm. the numbers nerd. How are you going to come out here with man amongst boys, force of nature? You're taking all of my football jock lines. And I'm not trying to get deep into these percentages. I, I, I just like, I think you're right about Josh Allen being a special athlete and that being mm-hmm. part of the difference in the game. However, I actually mm-hmm. think the real difference in the game is that Josh Allen doesn't have to carry as much as Patrick Mahomes because mm-hmm. there are times when Josh Allen, two of the touchdowns in this game was like, all right, We got man coverage against Gabriel Davis. I'm going to throw it up Mm -hmm. to Gabriel Davis. One touchdown. We got man coverage against Stephon Diggs. I'm going to throw it up to Stephon Diggs. Another touchdown. Those are just like taking pressure off of him. It doesn't feel like that. When Patrick Mahomes threw one up to Marquez Valdez-Scanling, Elam picked Mm -hmm. it off. Like it's Mm -hmm. To me, that's what it boils down to. And while Josh Allen's running ability is special and all that, I think that while they ask him to do a whole lot, there are times when big plays are made by other people. And I don't feel that way, way when I watch. Um, well, I guess it's not fair. Juju made a really big play one time in this game where yeah. he broke a tackle, scored a touchdown. But it doesn't feel the same way where he can just, like, throw it up in an area and someone is going to make an enormous play. The best chance you have of doing that is Travis Kelsey, and he's a tight end. So, so can we address that the Chiefs have no receivers that other teams are scared of yes. with the Hall of Fame yes. tight end who just 
tormented the Bills the last time these two teams played on the game's doesn't, most important drive? Doesn't matter. Titans don't scare anybody. I'm sorry, Bill. Like I, I wish they did, but they don't. Like Titans don't. <laughs> wow. Titans don't break defenses. They don't scare anybody. Like that. Maybe we're talking Bill, about a different level of fear. We should, but we should bring on Bill Belichick to answer this question about whether whether tight ends scare him or scare break defenses. Because I'm pretty sure he thinks they do. Okay, we're talking about aberrations and uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and is Bill, is Bill, aberrations. Is, is, no, it's Josh like Allen? so the the Patrick the break that that um that that uh gronk makes is because he's uh as good as a tackle at blocking and also a very good receiver mm-hmm. i'm talking about what happened to that belichick offense when you add randy moss to it it's a whole different formula mm-hmm. when you add a receiver that can break your defense and so yes Titans mm-hmm. can be very good and they can be a centerpiece of an offense uh we see that with mark andrews but they cannot do what tyreek hill does what gabriel davis mm-hmm. does what uh, stefan diggs does and that felt like to me that the difference in these quarterbacks, like I think we all appreciate that they're both elite. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, I think we would accept, is a little bit better. But the difference yeah. is Patrick Mahomes don't got that uh, guy no more. Can I uh, – well, I, I, I have a question. Dominique Foxworth, yeah. are you Gabriel Davis's agent? Because you're, you're <laughs> lumping in Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs like they're the same dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, appreciate I think, that. I think Dominique called Gabriel Davis Randy Moss. That's what I no. took away. You stop it. You stop it. Well, if that's, what I, if that's how it's coming across, I apologize. I just think that Gabriel I, Davis I is better good... than all the receivers on the Chiefs team also, is my point. Is they have two you're... receivers that are better. Stefan Diggs receiver, significantly, significantly better than uh, Gabriel Davis. But Gabriel Davis is also better than, I don't know, Juju? Is he the best? McCole Hardman? Mm-hmm. Is he the best? I, mm-hmm. I would say. I would take Gabriel Davis over all of those Chiefs receivers yeah. at this point, except for Travis Kelsey, who I do want to follow up on, though, Bill, because between your mutual, I'm, I'm glad we finally got to Nerd vs. Jock. I'm glad we got here. It was real <laughs> unclear, but now the lines have been drawn. So, what should they have done with Travis Kelsey that disappointed you? Like, what were there opportunities here? Because part of the question as to whether Patrick Mahomes is clearly the best quarterback, I don't know. Because like Josh Allen is today, in part because maybe they didn't do stuff with Travis Kelsey that you were hoping they would do. I mean, look at the matchup, right? Travis Kelsey, who had a good game, was playing against excellent Bills linebackers and safeties. Jordan Poyer, not able to fly to this game, drove 15 hours from Buffalo to Kansas City, which is a whole other level of lunacy. Did you not hear that? No. Wait, no, that, I didn't know yeah. that. to me. Yeah. That, that is true. Uh, Travis, not Travis Kelsey. Jordan Poyer was not medically cleared to fly because of a rib injury, so he drove 15 hours from Buffalo to Kansas City to play this in this is, game. So, so this is a football mm-hmm. thing that we've heard of before, yes. right? Uh, Terod Taylor, Deshaun Watson. Right? No, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Yep. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway, just as, as a side note, about- just like when we talk about uh, health in football, like that happens. Yes. But anyway. Yeah. Alabaster, please. Well, Dominique, I want to ask you, do you think this is the first game where they where the Chiefs have missed Tyreek Hill? Nope. And the fact that they had to slow slow these drives down and try and grind it out and slow it down versus the Bills, do you think that is something we're going to see more of down the stretch run, run and something that's troublesome for the Chiefs? Yes, it's not the first game that they missed Tyreek Hill. They've missed Tyreek Hill in every game. Um, including the ones that they won. And I think it becomes more obvious in the ones that they lose. So, yeah, um, they become a lot better at running the ball, even when they don't have advantages in the box, which is impressive. But as we know, it's not 1996. 
you're going to have to take the top off the defense every now and then, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes. And this is part of their rebuild. Like, this is a down year for the Chiefs. And I, I guess it's not fair to call it a rebuild, but this is not I mean, a, they have the same record as the Jets. Right. <laughs> so then it makes it fair to be a rebuild. But this is not the Chiefs that we've seen that mm-hmm. was making the run recently. So, yeah, they had to make some choices, some hard decisions. You have to do that when you want to extend your window and you have a, a all-time great quarterback. And this is going to be the probably the toughest road they've had to win a championship. And maybe they'll get somebody in the draft next year or they'll trade or do something. But I can't imagine that Andy Reid, Eric B. and me, and Patrick Mahomes are going to go through another season without somebody, uh, a true number one, that's – gives you a little bit of game planning uh nightmare so that's that so wait so so hold on though because the whole mm-hmm. thing of patrick mahomes is still obviously the best quarterback in the league which you just tried to pass uh through through legislation without any sort of counter <laughs> proposals here um this game has taught you nothing new about how the josh allen mahomes dynamic currently looks it has and the difference is that i think the stuff we sort of put on Allen's plate as his problems in the past were Mahomes' problems today and vice versa. I mean, think about the turnovers in this game, right? Like Josh Allen had this sort of weird, like football, like trying too hard turnover where he, he had a handoff and he handed the ball off and he tried this weird pitch. That's like a perfect, like Mahomes turnover, the things that he does. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' turnovers in this game were two bad decisions, a throw into double coverage in the end zone that cost them three points, and that play at the end where he escapes pressure, sees a guy flash open quickly, and tries to throw a sidearm pass, and it gets picked off because a cornerback steps in front of it. Those are the same plays Josh Allen was making when Josh Allen was on his way up that we were saying, oh, Mm. he has to get those plays out of his system to be that dude. And now Josh Allen has really got those plays mostly out of his system, and he is that dude. And we're seeing Mahomes kind of press and struggle. I see Dominic Foxworth slowly raising his hand. For the podcast audience. You know, Dominique, when are you, you wondering you, if if you've been cursed by an evil genie where your Josh Allen takes yes. and are ruining your favorite quarterback? Is that what you're going to? Oh, no, no, not at all. This is just reinforcing my take of the season so far. The mm-hmm. take of the season is how you need a true number one receiver. You know, when mm-hmm. Josh Allen stopped doing those dumb, dumb things, when somebody <laughs> showed up who could get open, like yeah. that's when it happened. You stop having to do that dumb shit when people are wide open. So, like, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is now trying <laughs> to, like, compensate for the fact that none of these guys mm-hmm. are open. And, and Josh Allen, or excuse me, Mahomes is trying to compensate for that. And Josh Allen is not out there feeling like he got to make magic happen where where he don't have a wand. I don't know if that analogy works, but. No, I don't know if that's true. Oh, well, but what I would say. I like I mean, it. Think about the, the two long What's touchdowns the in this there? game were both over a rookie fourth round cornerback like as good as Stephon Diggs is as good as Gabe Davis is those two big plays happened because the Chiefs had a backup cornerback in their secondary and the Bills are playing with some backup cornerbacks and Mahomes was not able to exploit them so I think there's some credence to your point Dominique but also if these two teams play again which I think we're all expecting them to play again at some point during the postseason I wonder if the results will be the same if the Chiefs have more at cornerback than they had in this game for now we'll move on all right guys I have a real New York football town question because New York mm. is a football town, not a baseball town right now. And my question for you all, how good are both the Giants and the Jets? Well, they're not good enough to get individual questions. So that is one clue. 
<laughs> I looked ahead of the Giants' schedule, Bill, and right now the Giants are five and one. The Jets are four and two. Sure. Um, but if you look ahead, like the Giants are going to be what, like nine and one, and the same <laughs> question. I think so. Like I guess for me, at the least, same clauses are going to be. Added. I'll be quiet because I'm sure Bill <laughs> can use numbers to explain why this is happening. The Giants have multiple wins over actual number one starting quarterbacks. The Jets have won, and it was this week against Aaron Rodgers. They beat Skylar mm. Thompson, they beat Jacoby Brissett, and they beat the two-headed combination that might be the exact same of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. The Giants have at least beat uh. multiple number one starting quarterbacks. That matters. That makes me believe in them just a tiny bit more. It feels like sometimes, the, at least for the Giants, sometimes their opponents just like unravel. And not unraveling is, I guess, a skill. And it felt like the wait, Ravens wait. unraveled toward the ends of this game. Mm -hmm. And and you should celebrate that the the um, Giants didn't unravel. But for them to take that next step, they're gonna have to beat some teams that aren't gonna beat themselves. Well, wait. So mm -hmm. this is this is this is this is. I'm glad you brought up the the Ravens and Lamar end of this, right? Because this is this is not uh Skyler whatever the hell his name is right this is Lamar Jackson right mm -hmm. and so the question is was it merely <laughs> that Lamar Jackson pulled at the thread of his own being and began to unravel <laughs> or was there actually some countervailing force that was responsible no, I think for there the was fact a, that he had two turnovers I that think there was a countervailing a 10 point lead there was a countervailing force and that was his offensive coordinator like, I mean, to come into a game against uh, Wink Martindale and not have, like, mm -hmm. one empty set, like, one, one empty set, just because, like, the for putting going to empty forced them to declare their blitz. One thing you know Wink's mm -hmm. going to do is blitz. They didn't run empty not once. And they're out there running blitzes that they can easily disguise. They also didn't blitz a couple times. But this goes back to, again, my theme of the year, need a true number one. They played man coverage. And nobody was like either uh, – and to be fair, I haven't had a chance to watch the All-22 yet. I'll watch that later. But from the way Lamar was behaving, it appeared as if nobody was open against man coverage, especially when they doubled uh, Andrews. So, like, mm -hmm. when you don't have Rashad Bateman – and they can blitz and play man coverage and nobody can punish him. Like even Lamar Jackson is going to look really bad, which he did, especially at the end of the game, giving up a sack fumble and throwing an interception. So yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, I think that's on Wink, on Rashad Bateman, and also on Lamar. The thing about the Giants defense is that they've already missed some players this year. Leonard Williams has missed time. Oh. Kayvon Thibodeau, their first round pick has missed some time. And they they've been able well. to still be good without those guys for stretches. Whereas the Giants offense, if they lost Saquon, ooh, that would not be a pretty sight. That would be a very messy offense without Saquon Barkley, who's already dealing with a shoulder injury. So my concern is that they're just so one-dimensional on offense and built around Saquon, who has been awesome this year. All right, we can move on. We're going to play a game called Cooked or Not Cooked. You guys know this game. And we're at the six-game point in the season. We're really learning about these teams, if they're good or not. DVOA is valuable. We have more numbers. But the first one we got to go to is 45-year-old Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Are the Bucks cooked or not? Mm. So what's their... Can what's I make skillet noises? I want to make um, <laughs> fajita noises. Ooh. Chilies! Chilies! Ooh, the chili table has ordered a big plate 
of the goat and it's coming with all sort of fixings uh, on a hot plate uh, and all the restaurants <laughs> turning to look at what a good idea oh, this order was. Oh, curry, mm. curry goat. I don't know any other ways to prepare, prepare goat other than curry, but he is definitely curry <laughs> goat right now. There's a whole team of curry goat down there. So, like, I mean, I guess mm -hmm. the cook meter, I think, should be relative to the expectations for the team. This team's not mm -hmm. winning a Super Bowl. Will they make the playoffs? Maybe. Probably division is not one that makes me think that they're going to miss it altogether. But these problems aren't going to get solved. It doesn't feel like it's something that when I was being told, like I was out on the Bucks much sooner than most people, and I've been listening to people say, "Wait till go. everybody gets happy. Wait, or everyone gets healthy." Not happy. You only get happy if you win. Wait till everyone gets healthy. <laughs> Wait till receivers out there. Godwin is out there. Tom threw it to him. It felt like 47 times, and they still couldn't score enough points mm -hmm. to beat the team that we thought last week was the worst in the league. Like, we were talking mm -hmm. about them like they were yeah, the worst. Didn't, have, did, didn't have, like, a secondary. Yeah, the and, Steelers. And that that was with Minka Fitzpatrick last week. They didn't even have Minka this week. Exactly. Wait, so but, but, so 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 while Dominique just uh, he Dominique has has played his hand right. He is daring the mixtape montage of Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl to come yep. after him. Mm -hmm. Bill, how do you feel about the playoffs? A question mark Super Bowl? Just definitively no. I think something has to change. I would say definitively maybe, but I'm leaning towards no. And I think and we now have. No, not cooked. most probably cooked. This team <laughs> desperately misses Rob Gronkowski. Like, if, if Tom Brady can do anything to get Gronk back, because they can't score in the red zone, they can't block on the edge, and they can't run the ball. And the dude who Dominic alluded to earlier, who blocks like a tackle and catches like a wide receiver, who can fix all of that when he's on the field is retired and Tom Brady has his phone number. Now, I don't think Gronk is coming back, but release, they have been just- Release the voicemails, Gronk. Release the voicemails. <laughs> I, I know he's leaving. I know he just server. left your voicemail that said they were <laughs> one in, one of four in the red zone against the freaking mm -hmm. Steelers yeah. today. Mm -hmm. I, I actually think they're cooked. Like as far as their expectations are concerned, like I don't think it's as interesting as talking about the Steelers rebuild, their quarterback situation, what they should do, Mike Tomlin, has he lost the team, all that foolishness, but it seems like maybe he hasn't. So uh, can we go to the next team, please? Uh, by the way, for the record, I am uh, a no on the Are the Bucks Cook just because this is a, a real, you're a coward. A real investment opportunity for me to look great <laughs> in some sort of the cut up is, What later. you don't understand is <laughs> no one ever takes the people who believe in them to put them in the montage. Yep. You want to get into montage? Hate, 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 hate. Yeah, that's true. Um, the next <laughs> one we've got. Um, oh, I want to ask you guys about the Packers because the Packers lost 27 to 10 to the Jets. And I want to know if you think the Packers are cooked. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much. I love that Aaron Rodgers has become the thing he hates the most unknowingly. He has become the language police. He's out here after games being like, you guys are way too negative. If I hear anybody straying from the team MO of positivity, we're going to cancel you. That's what I hear from Aaron Rodgers now, which tells me this is a wildly cooked team. Sauce Gardner at the end of this game was wearing a cheese head and Ellen Lazard made him take it off. What is cancel culture if not being able to wear a hat wherever you would like? Yeah. Thank you. What is so... 
again, it's based on expectations. It's a Super Bowl expectation team, or at mm -hmm. least a division winning team. And I mm -hmm. was told last year by the people who still, or last week by the people who still believe in um, the Packers, including some people on the Packers, that, oh yeah, I'm not worried now, but if we lose next week, I'll be worried. Mm -hmm. It's next week. You lost. <laughs> yeah. You're so lost. yeah. <laughs> Jair Alexander is my favorite character in this subplot because he was the guy who said that quote, the Dobby reference after, mm -hmm. of course, um, last week. And now, like heading into this game, he went the opposite way because Aaron Rodgers got him on the positivity program. He said, we have a mm -hmm. flawless game plan. <laughs> he said that. And then, yes, they they did this. Yeah, to the Jets. I mean, what are the Packers good at? at this point, right? And what's their formula for winning games? Last couple of years, they have been the best team in football at avoiding giveaways. They are incredible at not turning the ball over. 13 giveaways last season, believe best in the NFL. This year, they have eight in six games, including a block punt for a touchdown, which isn't even a giveaway, but a, a, a fumble lost to the Jets in this game by A.J. Dillon. They can't protect the football. They're not picking up big plays because they can't throw deep because they don't have receivers. They could not run the ball in the no. game against this Jets, Jets team. They averaged three yards a carry. I just wanted to toss that one in there for my friend Dominique Foxworth just to belabor the point about not having number one receivers. I will point out, not like the Raiders are killing it with Devontae Adams on the number one receiver for them on the other side of the, uh, of the football league. That might be a lose-lose trade for both teams here. But I do agree that the Packers need to add somebody at receiver to save this offense before things get worse. Let's do a fake trade here. Oh, if you think the okay. Packers need a number one receiver, why don't they pick up the phone okay. and they say, no, why don't they pick up the phone and they call high leverage guy, David Tepper and say, hey, we have a short window here. Take our 2023 mm -hmm. first round pick. We'll take mm -hmm. DJ Moore. We know he's good. We know he's stuck in that wasteland and you're selling, who says no? Um, uh, Robbie Anderson says yeah, no, because he's like, I thought I was on this. I thought I was in this big trade. I, I thought, yeah, I could I could tell you were headed right for Robbie Anderson, the man who got sent to the locker room that they can't wait to get rid of. And you, We're talking about number one receivers step. here, not Robbie Anderson. Zero step right to my man, DJ, the turtle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the – what good does DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, like what purpose do they serve in Carolina right now? Like mm -hmm. I, if the uh, Packers wanted, excuse me, if the Packers wanted to make that trade, I don't know why the um, the Panthers would say no. That's a, a first round pick. Yeah, good trade, good fake trade. <laughs> I pitched them, I pitched the Chase Claypool to the Packers trade Ooh. last week. Problem is Chase Claypool then had too good of a week this week, so now the Steelers can't justify trading him. Big mistake on Chase Claypool's part. <laughs> but, like, this all makes sense. Like, going out and getting somebody. Like, in years past, when the Packers were not getting that number two behind Adams or that number one receiver, it was because they were winning. So they could make the case of, okay, well, we're right. We don't have to make that trade because we're still 13-3. and three. But when you're not winning, when you're 3-3, three and three, when you're playing terribly on offense – it's kind of hard to make the case that you don't need to add somebody to that roster, whether it's Odell Beckham or someone via trade. All right, guys, Alabaster. we got a couple more. Um, these ones next? are spicy. Next yeah, one I yeah, ask you about the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals scored nine points against the Seahawks. 
They extended Kyler Murray for five years. They extended Cliff Kingsbury. They extended Steve Kime. None of them seem to be that good. Are the Cardinals <laughs> cooked? This this seems like the least spicy one of them all. Yeah, like, I feel like we need to fix this question. Yeah, we need to fix this question. It's like, oh, wait, are on. they cooked oh, for the next ten years? Is the question you're on. asking? Because yeah, they're cooked this year for sure. This is the perfect test of Dominique Foxworth's number one wide receiver solution because the Cardinals have not had DeAndre Hopkins the first six weeks of the season. And DeAndre Hopkins is about to come back this upcoming Thursday night. So if the Cardinals are suddenly great once they get DeAndre Hopkins back, our genius friend Dominic Foxworth can just reiterate how smart he is. Nope, 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 nope. Because as I mentioned, I'm still waiting on this analogy, Pablo, that this is not enough to make a bad team great. <laughs> like this, okay. this is a piece that you need to get to another level. So um, mm-hmm. I think this team needs a lot more than DeAndre Hopkins, but I think it's reasonable to believe that they went and got Hollywood Brown in part because they didn't think DeAndre Hopkins was going to be a true number one receiver. It, 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 it's a bummer. It's a bummer that this team is boring. Yeah. Like Kyler Murray mm-hmm. is so un he's like responsible for like one of the five most exciting plays in football every season. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just not fun to watch them. Yeah. And that feels criminal. His hezzy dead leg has been languishing in funkiness for all season. Like I haven't seen it. It hasn't come across my um my red zone. It's pretty sad. Do you guys uh, just think Kyler Hezzy. Murray's good? Yeah. Kyler is fun to watch, and he's good, but it also feels like... That inflection didn't help the case. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> he's good, but not he's, consistent. He, he's good, not consistent is a very good way to put it. And yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think he gets a lot of easy answers from the people around him, which is a problem because the Cardinals just extended their head coach and general manager to like two presidential administrations from now. <laughs> it's right. a bad idea. Wait, can we just, can we just talk about how, again, like, do you love me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Kyler needs to go ask the Bidwells, like, do you want me to succeed? And then why did you hire a failed college coach and then extend him? And then Extending. the guy who hired the failed college coach yeah. extended him. Yeah. And and who who drafted the quarterback who was so bad they replaced him after one year with Kyler Murray. <laughs> and it was seen as like and it was seen as like, oh, look at what a smart move Steve Kime is. What a what a stand-up guy for uh for moving on from the quarterback he drafted after one year. Great scam, actually. So good. Now that it I think great. about it. It is great. We got more we got teams to more. cook. We got one okay. more. And this is a team that's blown three 10-point leads this season. Let's go. Um, oh, no. And lost oh. to the Jets by mm. 17. It's the Ravens. Are the Ravens mm. cooked? The Ravens are a Super Bowl contender. Are they cooked? Since Lamar got there through the 2021 season, when the Ravens had a lead of 10 or more points in the second half, they were 31-2. and two. Mm. This year... With 10-point leads in the second half, they are two and three. I, I, I don't believe that Lamar Jackson, with basically the same players around him as he had over the past couple of years, has suddenly forgotten how to close out games. I, maybe that's just the nerd in me. Maybe I'm not picking up on what's happening. Maybe there's some drastic change. But I think they're going to get better at it. 
I mean, I I, I um, shot all of my Lamar Jackson Ravens bullets in the earlier segment where I talked about um, them needing Rashad Bateman <laughs> and them blitzing Lamar and him not having an answer and the lack of empty um, formation, not being creative against what was easily anticipated. And Lamar, like, Lamar has limitations. All quarterbacks have limitations. I think there are certain quarterbacks whose limitations get, like, magnified and other quarterbacks whose limitations get minimized. Lamar's mm -hmm. um, limitations is his accuracy. Like it's inconsistent mm -hmm. as hell. It's always been that way. It's not going to stop being that way. Um, Josh Allen's the only quarterback who's like gotten more accurate that I have ever heard of in the history of professional football. Lamar Jackson's <laughs> not going to get any more accurate. It's the fact of the matter. And so if you play tight man coverage against Lamar Jackson, the point is Lamar Jackson is going to kill you when you play tight man coverage because he can scramble. If he's not able to do that, if you have a spy or you do something that can stop him in that situation, Lamar, he's not, he's never going to be the quarterback that's just going to eat you up, particularly when your best receiver, your true number one, Rashard Bateman, is not um, healthy or not playing. So, I mean, I think that's what it boils down to for them offensively. And they outplayed the the Giants, I think, for much of this game, but at the end of the game, Lamar threw a terrible interception, and mm -hmm. then Thibodeau caused a sack fumble. Like, that's what it boiled down to. Two plays were the difference in this game, two plays that were more valuable than the rest of the plays. So if Lamar and the Ravens would have won this game, we wouldn't have this conversation, but they lost it. So we're having this conversation. I don't think they're cooked in the same way that watching all the other teams that we talked about on this cooked conversation got their asses beat from start to finish. The Ravens didn't get their ass beat from start yeah. to finish. Mm -hmm. They like dominate, not dominated, but they were the clearly to me at least the better team. Lamar choked towards the end, and that cost them, which sucks. <laughs> I I just want to appreciate. I know that wasn't easy for Dominique to do, but that was outstanding mm -hmm. in terms of just like here's why I am disappointed in them. <laughs> <laughs> it's disappointing. It's very I'm not disappointing. mad. I'm just disappointed vibes yeah. coming out. I mean, of so like if yeah. so, Thibodeau causes the fumble. If the Ravens recover that fumble, I'm not sure that they don't go down and win the game. You know, like it, it feels like there are some parts of this that feel a little bit more random than when you look at these other teams. But I guess to be fair to the Ravens, all three of their losses were giving up. Or to be fair to everyone else, all three of the Ravens' losses were giving up big leads that they shouldn't have. They yeah. do it consistently, then that's who they are. So mm -hmm. I should be making fajita noises for them too, but I refuse. <laughs> and this is why this is why the Giants did you like this. Yes, the king of the um, pregame prediction. Yeah. Oh, you talking yes. about um, the Giants making fun of me for picking against them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fine. Let me ask you this, king Dominic Foxworth. Yes, I, I will put the I'll put the Ravens in one bucket, and okay. I'll put the three other teams we mentioned in the other bucket. Do you think that the Ravens have a better chance of making it to the Super Bowl? Nope. Than those three other teams combined. Nope, because the AFC has the Chiefs and the Bills, and the Ravens do, that's true. aren't better than any of those teams. One of those other teams that I declared cooked could mess around and stumble to the playoffs, but the Eagles are really good. I can't wait for us to be watching the Super Bowl and be like, are the Giants good? <laughs> As they're playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, the Giants versus the Bills. And we're like, yeah, this the formula, 
this formula is working, but it's not going to keep working, right? <laughs> King of the internet, thank you, Bill. Let's bring in Spencer Hall because somehow he covers an even weirder sport than this. <laughs> Dominique, we're doing something special. Something very what special. We are uprooting Spencer Hall. Oh, we are dragging Spencer him through town. the town square, depositing him in the fake television uh, river that is debatable because Tennessee has apparently beaten Alabama. Apparently. 49, <laughs> apparently. But Hendon Hooker is a guy that absolutely um, we need to learn about because yes. I had no knowledge of him before. Um, God, I have so many questions. Oh, I, 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 beg, I think that on the curve of what we usually see and who they were facing, this was actually a really good defense based on uh, what they were facing, because you have the reigning Heisman winner in Bryce Young, yeah. who every time that they pressured him, which they pressured him all night, which you should understand before we get into this, people will say, wow, that explosive offense at Tennessee. Yeah, talk about that all day, but I would like you to save a footnote for the defense, which was more than capable of one, holding uh, their rushing attack to just a hair over 100 yards on the night. Tennessee outrushed them. I know we stopped counting rushing yards yeah. when Jalen Hyatt got over the 100-yard <laughs> mark and then sort of sped on to the 200-yard mark. But the team that rushes in this game more for more yards will win. And Tennessee bullied them on the ground when they had to, which that's a sentence that just came out of my mouth that nobody yeah. would have said before this game. So this is 15, 15 straight L's, right? That have been broken. The chain has been broken, right? Like two thousand. I, I, I think it was two thousand four. Yeah, no, six. There we go. Yeah, two thousand and six. So yeah, so yeah. fifteen, and then the sixteenth. Yeah. So since two thousand and six, and a rivalry that that not only had gone Alabama's way, it was not by thin margins. There were a lot of blowouts. There were a lot of laughers. There were a lot of absolute landslides on the way to this. And this is what makes this so improbable is because Alabama is an established football factory that is good whenever they wake up. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? Like really dim coaches have won 10 games at Alabama. I'm not going to name names because some of them no. are still alive. Oh, come on. We can but some, it. Yeah, you can Google it. Some people just wake up at Alabama and win 10 games. So not the case of Tennessee. You um, told me last week that this was going to be like a Heisman showdown between the Q yep. two quarterbacks. You did not tell me that a guy named Jalen Hyatt, who obviously is probably an heir to the hotel chain, was he going will, to- He will be. He will be. <laughs> the, two, the two great dynasties, Jalen's yeah. and Hyatt's combined in one man. I mean, he was the one in a game where- It's ridiculous. Where, uh, Bryce threw for 400 plus yards and I mean, it was just a, a fireworks display on both sides. How could one man, did he have like six catches and five touchdowns? It yeah. Was, I kind of wish he dropped. I kind of wish he dropped that sixth. Yeah. So he could keep the five receptions for five touchdowns ratio going. He had 200 yards, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You should know that Tennessee's missing their leading receiver. Jalen Hyatt couldn't get on the field last year. And the uh, the story around Jalen Hyatt has been that he has been putting in montages every day, like montage-worthy workouts, hard work, couldn't get on the field. Their leading receiver goes down, and suddenly he has to step up. And if you'll notice, and I'm going to speak a little bit of cornerback, so please note, please let me know if I get my terminology or my verbiage wrong. But when you take people like that and you spread them out and you cannot play zone. You have to play man. When we stack you and one of these guys is faster than the other, if he ends up on the safety, guess what happens? Jalen Hyatt gets 207 receiving yards and five TDs. It's 
hard. That's six every time. This is, by the way, Hyatt has one of these stories where if you want to go, man, I don't want to feel too good about this Tennessee team. I have nothing but bad news for you because I'm going to make you feel better about it. Hendon Hooker is another like story like Jalen Hyatt. Didn't have the starting job last year. Was behind Joe Milton, right? It was a cast off from Virginia Tech who just decided, yeah, we can find better. We sure, <laughs> um, which they have, and they're wildly successful. Don't fact check me on this because that's that's not what happened. But, <laughs> but, but Hooker, who, 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 like, how good is he? Because this is my first time really experiencing the Hendon Hooker experience, Spencer, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is uh, the greatest quarterback I've ever seen this year. Every quarterback should transfer. That, that's just, yeah. This is my like, go get your study abroad credits, go transfer, go experience something else. Because... I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, Spencer, mm-hmm. but I want to sit on that point for a second. Sure. There are lots of coaches and there are lots of college football programs. Yep. College football is not like the NFL, where most coaches are above a certain level of like okayness. And most of the people that you play with are also above that level. Like, it's really possible that there are lots of players who have had their careers squandered because they ended up in terrible situations. So back to your point, all quarterbacks should transfer. I'm sorry to interrupt with that little bit of diatribe. (laughs) All of them leading back, of course, to like how Nick Saban should react to all of this now. Like, after watching what happened, after seeing the celebration, like, you know him, Spencer. You have a great, like, psychological portrait that you painted for us before of Saban. Mm -hmm. What do you think this feels like to him? There are so many things he has to hate about this. One, he has to hate the fact that he had to rely on his offense to win the game because his defense wasn't making a stop. He has to hate that that defense didn't make a stop. He has to hate that the leakiest part of the defense and the one that was absolutely the the, the weakest link was the secondary, which is his valley wick. That's what he does. He's a secondary coach guy. The, the portion of the playbook that covers secondary play is like 240 pages. If you look at it, it is a gigantic playbook by any standards, especially college standards. He is, he's got to be in hell right now because this was not only a key rivalry that they had owned, it was done in a manner that looks like they could do again. It looks like, like this is, you could replicate this because the thing that they're doing, and if you just want to get a little football geeky for a minute, they're bringing back playing in space, right? Like we kind of went, we kind of moved away from playing at the sidelines because so few people can actually do that and protect the quarterback at the same time. Well, Tennessee is able to make you choose. Do you defend the pass down the field or do you defend the run? Because you're not going to be able to do both. The key is being able to run and Hendon Hooker, that line and their collection of backs have made that possible. That's a rare combination, but like finally to get to the warm and fuzzy part, I don't know how, and this is the part that like, I don't have an answer for. How did you get Josh Heupel this quickly into I made you think you could do this because Tennessee almost screwed this up several times. Yeah. There were several moments in this game. And it's one of the things that made it really good where you went, oh, they've blown it. That's it. Like a Tennessee team two years ago would have gotten in this situation and immediately spit the bit. They would have, they would have lost. They never flinched. There was a guy, I don't know if you saw one of the linemen and forgive me for not knowing exactly which one, oh, one the of the linemen guy. vomited on camera. All right, like straight out green, like ectoplasm, right? Vomited towards the Alabama defense, looked at them and alpha nodded them. Like, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the do? best part. What do you do if you're uh, you sitting know what? there at, at Alabama? You're the Crimson Tide, and this dude across the way just pukes and is like, come get it. Spencer, can you sort of explain to us how messy 
the college football playoff picture is about to be because Alabama could still get to the SEC championship, could still win the SEC. And there's a, there's a world where there are three one loss SEC teams at the end of the season. That's distinctly possible. What type of mess would that be? Um, it would be, there would be, I think if there are two one loss SEC teams, then two of them get, or three, three one loss SEC teams, then one of them gets uh, excluded. So one of them is just going to get a lucrative New Year's New Year's six kind of deal, uh, get that nice cap one payout, but they will be excluded from the playoff because I don't think the playoff in clear conscience can put three SEC teams in, particularly when you have an Ohio State team that um, I don't think is going to have any. I think they're going to have an undefeated season given their their current like slate. It'd be weird for me if Michigan beat them twice since Michigan just had their Alabama Tennessee game last year. Right, I don't think Michigan's <laughs> built to keep up with Ohio State. Um, I, I am happy to be proven wrong. Um, I don't think Clemson's going to drop a game. It just seems just the way they're playing and given their competition, I don't think Clemson's going to drop a game. So it, just looking at that top six right there, um, you're going to end up with somebody looking on the outside, you know. And I and I cannot see it um, if Tennessee. Tennessee could easily still lose a game, by the way. Like Tennessee still has to play Georgia. Tennessee still has to play Kentucky on the road, which uh, you go, ah, that's Kentucky. No, 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 no. Kentucky, Kentucky is that mean team. Kentucky is the guy who want who comes in with the two by four and is like, you might win, but you'll bleed. That's that's is it, Kentucky. In is the it SEC. fair? So like Alabaster, it's a, a question that like projects us way to the future. Can you put up that top six one more time? Is it fair to put a line? between like the top teams and other teams because at least and i'm not uh everyday avid all game watching type of college football fan but when i turn on college football there's a distinct difference between some of the teams and the other teams and i'm looking at this top six i feel like clemson michigan nah y'all don't deserve to be in this conversation am i wrong in that i can feel that because right now given clemson's schedule it's hard for me to say that based on what they're facing in the rest of the, uh, the ACC, mm-hmm. that they deserve as much of a shot. And also, a lot of this is going to be optics. Um, there are some undefeated teams lying out here. By the way, a couple of more of those undefeated teams. Old Miss, in case there wasn't enough confusion going on in the SEC, Old Miss is 7-0, and right? <laughs> like, Old Miss is somehow still undefeated in all of this. And they had, like, Lane Kiffin, like Mr. Passappy, had three guys rush for 100 yards against Auburn. Um, which Auburn, I know they're deeply troubled, still a pretty stout defense. And they got 300-yard rushers, which is some triple option era kind of nonsense. So they're still undefeated. Um, UCLA, UCLA is still undefeated. TCU is still undefeated. There's a lot of confusion um, that could happen that we haven't even seen yet. So yeah, confused is the word for it because I don't have any good answers on where this might be headed other than uh, someone is going to be very unhappy at the end. All right. Until then, this has been our fake television show. We're going to get on Spencer's boat now. Oh. Oh. Give me some some glitter. I mean, some confetti. There There we go. go. Celebrate the big win. Imagine if you beat Alabama and that's how you celebrate (laughs) with just a limp paper cup of like five pieces of confetti. Ah, well.